Okay, well, we're ready to go. Amen. <laughs> well, while I was in the Holy Land, and we were uh, getting ready to uh, go on the ship and cross the Sea of Galilee, uh, the leader called me aside just as I was getting ready to get on the boat and said, Marilyn, would you uh, do what Jesus did and teach from the boat and uh, just teach on healing just like Jesus taught the disciples? And I said, oh, yes, I would be very honored to do that. So I was, they asked me just to teach on healing for about 20 minutes or so. So I was doing that, and there was probably... Uh, well, not quite 100 people on our, our group, maybe, maybe 70 people. I don't remember. But um, anyway, you could have heard a pin drop, and the, and the captain of the ship, he turned the, the motor off, and it was so quiet, and uh, everybody was just so intently listening. And afterwards, so many people came up and were just so thrilled that they never heard uh, teaching like that before on healing. And I thought that was marvelous. But at the same time, I thought it was so sad because this was a Christian tour, a Christian. All these people were Christians. And I thought how sad it is that none of them had heard healing like that before. And it's sad, isn't it? But, you know, you guys are so blessed to be in a place like this with uh, Pastor, Pastor Mike and Beth because... Um, you truly are, are blessed. And, Father, we just thank you so much for Pastor Mike and Beth and ask that you would just bless them abundantly while they're on this time of vacation just to be quiet and be with the family and just have a wonderful time. And we thank you for your presence here tonight. We thank you for the precious Holy Spirit who is our teacher and our guide. And, Lord, we purpose to open our hearts to hear and to receive all that you have for us tonight. And Lord, may we leave this place differently than the way we came in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Also, I'm getting ready to leave uh, for Europe again in about three weeks. I'm going to be going to Germany. I've been asked to speak. Uh, I was asked by a publishing company to speak at their conference for four days. And so I'm looking very much forward to doing that. And uh, then I'm going off to uh, Switzerland, and then I'm going off to Spain. And in Spain, I will be speaking at another police conference. I think some of you have heard me share that I've been uh, speaking with the police conferences. This is my fifth conference to speak uh, to the police, and I always uh, speak on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how to listen to the Holy Spirit. So it's always such a... Uh, Tremendous thing that they're so open and want to know more about the Holy Spirit because I tell them their job is very dangerous and they have inside information through the Holy Spirit that they don't get at the police academy. They've got inside information and that just really sparks an interest when I tell them that. And um, so I'm looking forward to that. And I think you also have heard me share with you about Dan and Tony's Life Center the organization I started in honor of our two police officers that were killed in Oceanside. How many remember me telling you about that in the past? Some of you have. Okay. Well, I have, uh, I'm, when, in my spare time, I am a volunteer chaplain with the police department in Oceanside. And so that's how I happened to know these two police officers. So after they lost their lives, I started a nonprofit community development corporation in their honor. And our goal is to reach out to the at-risk kids and teach them art and music and cooking and things that um, they don't learn at school, but just giving them an opportunity to uncover a hidden talent. I'm going to show you. I brought just a few pictures with me tonight, and if we can uh, turn on that screen and just look at a couple pictures. I don't know if I can see what ones you're looking at, but let me go over here and see. Do we have those pictures up? Okay, this is um, our sculpting class. We had a sculpting class this summer, and that is Andy, and he was just absolutely loving it. Next picture. And now that's Andy. Well, the teacher's on the left, and the next to him is Andy. And the next boy to him is Rodell, and the next boy is Joey. Now, these are all boys that are on, um, uh, on probation, all gang kids in special school. And so after they have finished uh, two seasons of playing the harmonica, 
they performed for the police department banquet that I had, and all on probation performing for the police department, and then the chief of police went up and congratulated them. So it just really took them to a higher level, that they were able, they had to get all dressed up. I said, no more, bat, and you have to take off your baseball cap and, and just be all dressed up, and so I bought neckties for them, and they were just so on. They were a little nervous at first, but by the next day they said, when do we get to do that again? You know, so they just loved it. Uh, next picture, and that's uh, Rodell. He had just finished the uh, sculpting class this summer. Just a precious little boy. He's he told me that uh, sometimes he prays at home for his meal. So when we had that Valentine event, I had him practice praying in public so that he could pray at that Valentine event. And he prayed. And he said, "God, thank you for." Uh, Thank you for, the, for this meal, and thank you for the people that prepared the meal, and thank you for all these police officers that came to hear me play the harmonica. <laughs> so, and the school superintendent was there, and he said, I love the prayer that Rodell prayed. Next picture. Uh, this is our, our, we had a cooking class that started yesterday. So this is uh, Andy. He's doing the cooking class. So this is the third season that Andy and Rodell have been with Dan and Tony's Life Center. So it's just awesome. So Andy was uh, having a fun time making pancakes yesterday. The next picture, this is one of the other girls making, she was learning how to flip the pancake. She was a little nervous, but she said, I think I can do it, she said. But we have an awesome chef that is their instructor. Next picture. And then we had, uh, this is Rodell, he's playing the ukulele. Uh, we actually had um, tried to reach out to more of the Samoan kids to uh, invite them to the ukulele class because that's part of their culture. Uh, unfortunately, about three weeks ago, we had a gang shooting in Oceanside, so we had, we had to kind of back off and uh, couldn't approach the kids. So we're hoping by this week we'll be able to go back in and see if we can get some of the Samoan kids to, to join in the ukulele class. So, but we had a couple of students there yesterday. Next picture. And we also had an art class yesterday. Now, you might notice his picture is upside down. The teacher said if you're trying to uh, draw something that you're looking at, if you turn the picture upside down, it shifts over to the other side of your brain that helps you to draw easier. I didn't know that, but that's amazing. Did you already know that? Well, I should have been in the class. I didn't know. I learned that yesterday. Next picture. <clears throat> well, that's another picture of the ukulele class, like a couple of kids in the class. Next one. That might be the last one. Oh, that's the art teacher. This is uh, one of the high school boys that, that came for the class. Next picture, that might be the last one. I guess that's the last one. But those are, and then tomorrow we have our first class on Christian hip hop. And then Tuesday we have um, voice classes by a professional singer. So the kids are really having lots of great opportunities. And if you'd like to partnership with Dan and Tony's Life Center, I do have some little cards on the back because we pay for all the instruments for the kids. So anybody that wants to kind of help us out there, um, it's all tax deductible. We'd be honored to have you help us with um, Dan and Tony's Life Center. And the other things I have on the table, there's a... A CD there, this lady, she's the top female vocalist in Ireland, a very dear friend of mine. And at that police banquet, she and another friend of mine, who's a top tenor in Ireland, they came and, and they sang, and this is one of her CDs, so that's on the back. Now, many of you have heard me teach here on a, a session that's called, How Can I Say I'm Healed When My Body Says I'm Sick? This is probably one of my hallmark messages. And so I just did it again in uh, Canada and they did an excellent recording. So I do have it on a DVD, which is great because I use so many visual aids. So that's back there on the back as well as it also is available in a CD. And, of course, I've got a lot of other healing things back there. This is a little packet of healing scriptures. But, you know, those are tools that help you to build your faith. And so I would just encourage you because, you know, the devil doesn't give you a 30-day notice when he's going to attack and so you need to be strong in the word and be ready when you do get an attack that you can fight back immediately. Amen. So my message uh, tonight is called, All Things Are Possible with God. I'm sure you've read that scripture in the book of Matthew. All things are possible with God. 
What it does not say is that all things are automatic with God. All things, nothing is automatic with God. God responds to our faith. However, faith has an enemy. Fear, worry, anxiety, those are the enemies of faith. And faith comes when you hear a negative report and then you rehearse it. You replay it over and over and over in your mind. You are feeding your fear when you rehearse those negative reports. Faith comes the same way. When you hear truth, you want to focus on truth. You want to rehearse truth. No matter what the symptoms are telling you, you want to feed your faith on truth so that, that tr- your faith gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Because as your faith gets stronger, you will develop a spirit of faith. We've all been given a measure of faith. But when you get to the place where you have a spirit of faith, that's, that's an attitude that you absolutely refuse to be defeated. And that's where we have to get to that place where we refuse to be defeated. Develop yourself that you have that spirit of faith. It's just an attitude. It's a lifestyle. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.13, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak, and we speak truth, and we want to speak it with that spirit of faith. Amen. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And that means that we walk by truth, not by the facts. You're always going to get the facts, but you need to feed your spirit on truth, because truth will always reverse the facts. So you want to rehearse the truth. You want to replay truth over and over and over in your mind, regardless of what the symptoms say, regardless of when those negative reports just keep flooding in. You want to focus on truth. Focus, build your faith. And, you know, I've heard people say, well, what's the big deal about faith? Last year, one of the, um, and a European country had called and asked me if I would come over and minister in their church. And they said, but, but we don't do faith, so don't speak on faith. And I thought, well, then I guess I can't come because <laughs> the whole Bible is about faith. I, th- I don't understand why people think that faith is something that we just made it up or something. The whole Bible is about faith. So what's the big deal about faith? You can't even get saved without faith, for we're saved by grace through faith. Amen? So faith is a very big deal. And the Bible says also that without faith, we can't even please God. Now, like I said, every person has a measure of faith. But when it says without faith, it's impossible to please God, what it is saying is without using faith, The faith that you have been given is impossible to please God. He gave us faith. What a beautiful gift that is. And do you know that it's impossible for anybody to stop you from using your faith? It's impossible. No government, no hierarchy, no organization. It's impossible for anybody to stop us from using our faith. They can't stop us from coming boldly into the throne room of grace to ask for help in time of need. Isn't that awesome that God gave us something called faith that nobody can stop you from using it? That's why it's impossible to please him if you don't use it because nobody, there's no excuse for not using it. Amen? What a beautiful thing that God has given us faith. And then in Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, Hebrews 10.38, it talks about we have to live by faith. We have to walk by faith. We have to speak faith, breathe faith. Faith just needs to ooze out of us. That's that spirit of faith again. And then in 1 Timothy 
6.12, it talks about fight the good fight of faith. Faith has a fight to it. It has a fight to it. That's when you develop, when you've got that spirit of faith, then you have a fighting spirit because faith must have a fight to it. It cannot be complacent. Uh, But if you don't use your faith, then that faith will have no results. It's just like, for example, let's just imagine that you were very poor. You had no shoes to keep your feet warm. You had no shoes to protect your feet from rocks and pebbles and and glass that would be alongside the road. You would have nothing to protect your feet. So when I heard you had no shoes, I give you shoes. But then if you never wear the shoes, they're useless. There's no results in having shoes to protect you if you don't use them. So it is with faith. We all have faith, but if we don't use it, there are no results from using faith. If you don't use it, there's no results. You have to use your faith if you want to get results. I'm going to share, we're going to look at three stories tonight, and then I'm going to share a testimony. And you're going to be familiar with all the people in the stories. The first one is in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verse 25 through 35. And this is about the woman with the issue of blood. How many have heard about her? I wish I knew her name because she sure is famous. Everybody talks about her, but we don't know her name. But it says, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. And she had suffered many things from many physicians. In other words, she had suffered some painful procedures. It says that she also spent all of her money and just kept getting worse. How discouraging that had to have been for her. For 12 years, she is hearing one negative report after another. And I'm sure that maybe one or several of those doctors probably said to her, Lady, you're just going to have to learn to live with it. Maybe that's the report that you've heard. Maybe the doctor has said to you, You're just going to have to learn to live with those allergies. You're just going to have to learn to live with that heart problem. You're just going to have to learn to live with those diabetes, that diabetes. Maybe that's something that you've heard, but that is a lie. That is not the truth. But when this woman, when she heard about Jesus, it said that she came in the crowd to touch his garment. But I'm sure that, that she had to have a fight to her faith. It said that she, she pressed through that crowd of people because she heard truth for the first time, and she's not going to be defeated. And I love what it says that when after she pressed through that crowd and she touched his garment, the Bible says in verse 29 that she felt that she was healed of that plague. She actually felt her healing, and I want you to take note of that. Just remember, she felt that she was healed. She had heard truth, and truth Reverse the facts after being sick for 12 long years. What she had done was she changed her focus from facts to truth. And truth reversed the facts. Pretty marvelous, isn't it? But what happened to her can happen to you, it can happen to me. But she fought that fight of faith. I'm sure that when she was pressing through that crowd, I'm sure that very possible that she was even anemic, having an issue of blood for 12 years. Probably very weak, very frail. And then you know there was always a massive crowd around Jesus. And she it said that she came from behind. So she's at the very back of the crowd. And she is pressing through. She's probably saying, excuse me, excuse, excuse me, sir, excuse me. 
pressing through that crowd to get to Jesus, fighting emotionally and physically. And I'm sure there might have been a moment or two where she thought to herself, I don't think I'm going to make it. I don't think I can take one more step. But she put a fight to that faith, and she pressed through that crowd. And sometimes you need to press through emotionally as well as physically. She be, be so determined. You know, it says in Galatians, let us not get weary in well-doing. One translation says, do not become discouraged. It's very possible that at one point maybe she got discouraged. I mean, think about it. She's got to fight through that crowd after being sick for 12 years. We cannot get discouraged because we are guaranteed to win. Amen. We are on the winning side, so we cannot get discouraged. We cannot give up. She never gave up. She changed her her thinking pattern, and that's what we have to do. We have to think according to what the Word of God says. How many times do we hear truth and we don't respond? She heard truth that day, and we don't know when it was that she went to Jesus. But so often we hear the truth and we don't respond. You know, we come Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and you hear the truth over and over and over. But we've got to respond to that truth. We've got to apply that truth. We can't be a hearer only. We've got to be a doer of what we hear. Amen. Truth will always reverse any situation that you've been told is hopeless. There's no hopeless situation with God. And I'm sure she felt that her situation was hopeless. But Jesus saw her faith. The Lord needs to see your faith. He needs to hear your faith. Amen? So we've got to be a doer of what we hear. Opportunities, they come and they go. Now, we don't get to choose when they come, but we do get to choose to respond when they come. Her opportunity came that day, and she responded, and she received a miracle. There's a miracle with your name on it anytime you need a miracle. Amen? In Luke 18, 27, it says, The things that are impossible with man is possible with God. And I've said this so many times. You could say this scripture like this. The things that are impossible with a doctor is possible with God because all things are possible with God. You know, truth is to simply believe what the Word says about your situation. Just Simply choose to believe what the Word says. That's faith. It's not a difficult thing. God doesn't want it to be a difficult thing. We have to respond to truth. Jesus says in John 17, 17, my words are truth. And then in John 8, 32, it says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But so many people, and I'm including Christians in that, more Christians, when I have people come up in a prayer line sometimes, if I don't stop them from talking, they'll go on and on and on and tell me about all kinds of medication, all kinds of surgery and procedures they've had. They'll know more about factual things than they know about truth. But the Bible says you need to know the truth. And when People today, they get a negative report. The first thing they do is go to Mr. Google. Mr. Google is not the healer. All Mr. Google can do is give you more facts. And facts is the enemy, which, I mean, that just breeds fear. It just breeds fear in you when you get those negative facts. Don't turn to Mr. Google. 
Turn to Jesus. Turn to the Word of God. You need to be in the Word, and you need to look at these healing scriptures until the Word is so real. It's got to be real on the inside of you. You need to get alone. Get in your little quiet little place. And you read the Word of God over and over and over until it becomes real on the inside of you. Not just words that are written on a page. It's got to be real. Real. That's when you develop that spirit of faith with that bulldog tenacity that you absolutely refuse to be defeated. Don't focus on the facts. Focus on on the truth. That's exactly what the woman with the issue of blood did. Once she heard truth, she was motivated totally by truth. She fought with that fight of faith and received a miracle of healing. I look forward to meeting that woman someday. The next person I want us to look at, you'll know this person quite well. His name is Bartimaeus. Now, the Bible tells us that Bartimaeus was blind, and that he was sitting on the side of a road begging for his daily survival. So when he was sitting on this road, he had to pick a road that there was a lot of traffic. He's not going to pick some side quiet road because he's begging for daily survival. So he's got to be on a road where there is a lot of traffic. You can just almost close your eyes and just imagine this big road, this dirt road, people walking by. Maybe he can even hear a donkey going by, maybe a camel. You can just imagine people with with the turbans on their head and those long robes and probably wearing sandals and the dust flying up from the road as they scuff their feet upon along the road. It has to be a very busy road with a lot of traffic. Now, he can't see because he's blind, but he can hear. So he can hear these people coming by day after day after day. And then one day he hears, did somebody say something about Jesus? Jesus, is, is Jesus going to come down this road today? Could it be that Jesus of Nazareth is going to come down this very road today where I am sitting? Could it be? I can just imagine the thoughts that were going through his mind. I can just imagine the adrenaline that starts racing through him. I can just imagine that his heart thump, 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 thump. Could it be? Could it be that Jesus is coming my way today? He's got to do something. He doesn't know how far away is Jesus. Is he still halfway up the road or is he right nearby? He's got to do something. He can't miss this opportunity. He's determined he's not going to miss this opportunity. He's got to do something. And so he shouts, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't know if Jesus can hear me. He doesn't, doesn't know where he's at. But the people that were standing around him, they were, if, if he could have seen, they probably would have been blocking his view. But those people were standing around him and turned around and said, be quiet. Well, I'm sure he's thinking, who's blind here? Uh, Who needs a miracle here? No way am I going to be quiet. No way am I going to miss this opportunity. He's got to do something else. And the Bible says he just shouted even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible said, Jesus stood still. He was standing that close. He heard the shout. He heard faith. You know, you can hear faith. You can see faith. And he heard faith, and he came to a standstill. And he turned, and he called for Bartimaeus. And I'm sure at that point, the people called him and said, Oh, brother, come, come, come. Uh, Jesus is calling you. For a minute there, they told him all to be quiet. But now, oh, dear brother, dear brother, come, come, come. But at that moment, Bartimaeus did something very significant. The Bible said he threw off 
his garment. The reason that was so significant was because that garment was issued to him, the government, by the high priest. Because if you're going to beg on the side of the road, you had to have permission to do that. And if you have permission to do that, the high priest gives you a garment so that the people know you had a right to be sitting on the side of that road to be begging. So now everybody knows he has the right to be here, be there. That garment represented his blindness. When he threw off that garment, he was in faith throwing off his identity of being blind. He was saying, I'm not going to be blind anymore. What is your identity? Are you holding on to that identity? We don't know how long he was blind, but at that moment, he threw it off. And he threw it off before he stood in front of Jesus. It was very, very significant. And then when he did stand before Jesus, he said to him, Bartimaeus, your faith just made you whole. When, you, when he threw off that garment, he threw off his identity of being blind. Isn't that awesome? But how many times do we hold on to those reports? You've got to throw them off. You've got to let go of those reports. You can't hold on to those things. You're going to hear it over and over and over, but you've got to, you've got to meditate on truth. Don't continue to meditate on those negative reports thinking, well, you just got to live with it. No, you do not. All things, there's absolutely nothing impossible with God. It's not automatic, but all things are possible through our faith and having that bulldog tenacity that you absolutely refuse to be defeated. It's having that fight of faith. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything flows from it. We are to guard our heart against the facts. They're going to come, but you've got to guard your heart. Because once again, faith is the most powerful possession we have, and nobody can stop us from using it. That is so, so glorious. Catherine Kuhlman once said, the only limit to the power of God lies within the individual. The only limit to the power of God lies within you and me. Now we're going to look at one more story. Another person. You'll know this person very well also. Her name is Mary, the mother of Jesus. I'm going to read this story to you out of the Amplified, so I want you to listen very, very carefully. It says that the angel came to her, and he said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed, favored of God are you before all other women. The angel is speaking to Mary from the realm of truth, the realm of the supernatural. And then it says, but when she, when Mary saw him, she was, listen, greatly troubled. She was disturbed and she was confused. Who's the author of confusion? God is not the author of confusion. And she's disturbed and she's confused at what she heard. And listen to this. It says, she kept revolving in her mind, what that greeting meant. She's revolving that in her mind. So she is thinking in the natural arena, but the angel always is speaking from the supernatural. So the angel speaks again, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. How many times did Jesus say, fear not, fear not? 
only believe. And so the angel is telling her, Mary, don't be afraid, for you have found grace with God. And then the angel said, listen, listen to me, Mary. Now, let's just imagine for a moment that you were going out to dinner on a Friday night with your friends. And the restaurant is packed with people because it's Friday night. And you walk in there, and you could close your eyes and know that it is packed out with people because you could hear all the people talking. Amen? You could hear all these voices. But when you go to sit down at your table, you're only listening to the people at your table. You can hear all those voices, but you're not focusing on those. You're listening to the people at your table. I remember one time I was visiting my, my, my daughter and her family, and my grandson was getting ready to go on the school bus, and she said, now, Matthew, remember, bring your jacket home from school. Don't leave it on the bus. She said, are you listening to me? He said, yeah, I hear you. She said, no, I don't want to know if you heard me. I want to know, are you listening to me? Well, that's what the angel is saying to Mary. Mary, I want you to listen. And that's what the Lord is saying to us. I want you to listen. I don't want you to focus on all those other voices. Just listen. And so the angel says, listen, you will become pregnant, and you will give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his forefather David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob throughout the ages, and of his reign there shall be no end. Again, the angel is speaking from the realm of the supernatural. Hallelujah. And then Mary speaks, and she said to the angel, How can this be? I have no intimacy with any man as a husband. Mary is focusing on the facts. The angel is just speaking to her about the supernatural, but she's focusing on the facts. So the angel has to speak again. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the offspring which shall be born of you will be called the Son of God. Listen, Mary. Your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is now the sixth month with her who was called barren. So Elizabeth just had a miracle. Now listen, this is very powerful what the angel says next. For with God, nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. That's powerful. I'm going to say that again. With God, nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. That's pretty awesome. And the angel speaks again, speaking again from the realm of the supernatural. And this time, Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to what you have said. And at that moment, the angel left. Why did the angel leave then? Because Mary, at that moment, just came into agreement with truth. When she said, Be it unto me, according to your word, she tapped into the supernatural. And it could have been at that moment, could have been the moment of conception. 
But until she came into agreement with the supernatural, she couldn't conceive. Until she came into agreement, that angel had to continue to speak the supernatural over and over and over until she grabbed hold of truth. And when she did, the miracle took place. She, the angel left. But I want to repeat something in Luke uh, verse 29 in Luke chapter 1. It says, for she was greatly troubled she was disturbed and confused at what the angel said, and she kept revolving in her mind what the greeting meant. I think that's our probably our challenge, too, that we hear something and we get confused and we rehearse it. We replay it over and over and over in our mind. We have to stop doing that. Mary got to that place where she had to stop listening and stop thinking about the facts and focus in on truth. And when she did that, again, it could have been the very moment of conception. We don't know. But when she said, be it unto me according to your word, it could have been, Amen. It could have been. And now I want to share one more thing with you. And I want to share a personal testimony, one that you've probably heard before. But this was when I was raised from my deathbed from malaria. I had been over in Africa. It was 1986. I was over there on another missionary trip. I was there for a whole month and doing medical clinics combined with evangelism. And when you do medical clinics way out in the bush, you're, uh, you are exposed to many, many germs and diseases because it's such a highly contaminated area. And that's where I was. And so when you work in those areas, you have to take extra inoculations, and you have to be sure that you take the preventative for malaria. And so, of course, I'm doing all of that. And so at the end of that month... I came home, uh, my first day home, actually my son picked me up at the airport. He thought I might want to relax and watch a movie, so he rented the movie Chariots of Fire. I like that. He who honors God will be honored by God. So we're watching Chariots of Fire, and we're only about maybe, I don't know, just a short uh, bit into that movie, and all of a sudden I had the symptoms of malaria. I instantly had a fever of 103, and immediately I took authority. I applied Luke 10, 19. Behold, I've given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall harm you. So I took my authority immediately over that spirit of malaria because I recognized those symptoms because I've seen it so much. Now, let me say something. When you take your authority over the devil... Those, those things like that. The devil's not going to come back and say, oh, excuse me. I'm so sorry. I didn't know you didn't want malaria. Of course, I will leave right away. I would be happy to leave. I didn't know that you didn't want to be sick. No, the devil is not going to say that. He's going to keep coming back over and over and over till he defeats you. Because when it says you shall know the truth, he wants to see what level of truth do you have in you? Because he's going to, his whole job is to steal, kill, and destroy. So he works 24-7. He works very hard to do that. So when you take your authority, don't think he's going to back off instantly. Taking your authority, that also has to be a lifestyle on the inside of you. You need to be ready because when he, when he attacks, he's, he's determined he wants to kill and destroy you. Amen. So you've got to have that word in you on a rich, rich level. Now, I never talk against doctors. I don't talk against medicine. If you ever need to uh, go to a doctor, it's not of lack of faith. Now, this was on a Saturday. On Sunday, I was worse. I thought, okay, I'm going to use wisdom, mix wisdom with my faith, and I'm going to go to the doctor on Monday because I know if he, I, I can just double up on chloroquine tablets, and in the early stages of malaria, you can stop it just like that. So I thought, well, that's wisdom, so I'm going to do that. So I went to the doctor, and I said, I would like to have some more of the, the chloroquine tablets. And he said, well, no, Marilyn, I'm not going to give that to you because 
you are already on that, so that's a preventative. You, you don't have malaria. I said, well, I, I just know the symptoms, and I also know that if I double up on it, it is not harmful. It's not harmful. You can just nip it in the bud, just nip those symptoms in the bud. You know, we say that back in Nebraska, nip it in the bud. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you can just stop it in those early stages. And the doctor said, no, I'm not going to give that to you. But I will, uh, I'll just run a blood test because maybe it's just extra fatigue or something. So the next morning I called to get those blood tests from him and the, the results and he said, well, no, I, I don't have the results yet, but don't you worry, don't you worry, you don't have malaria. Now, I, I didn't realize at that moment till the next day, but he didn't know anything about malaria. And malaria can kill you very quickly. It destroys your liver, your kidneys, your spleen, and your blood. You are very, very nauseated, very nauseated, and you have a very, very high fever. So when I called on that second day and he said, I still don't have the results, Marilyn, don't worry about it. I realized then he didn't put that blood test through what we call STAT. And in, in other words, you would get, you get immediate results. He didn't do that. So the third day, I'm now uh, burning up with fever. I was feeling worse. I called him up. I said, I'm on fire. Um, what should I do? He said, well, take a cold shower. I thought, well, I had that figured out. You know, he says, don't worry about it. You don't have malaria. Just take a cold shower. Didn't offer to give me anything else. Didn't offer to see me. Nothing. Another day goes by. And when I woke up the next day, my whole body was swollen. It had turned completely yellow. The whites in my eyes were yellow. The inside of my mouth was yellow. And I am burning up with fever. I called my friend. I says, come and get me to the doctor right away. I was so sick, I couldn't even get dressed. I went to the doctor's office with my robe and my slippers. When I walked in that office and they, the nurse saw me, I was swollen. I was yellow. I don't know what I must have looked like to her. But she said, oh, my goodness, we've got to hide you. That's what she said. We're going to hide you because you're going to scare people looking like that. I thought, well, thanks a lot, you know. So they rushed me off in the room so I wouldn't scare people. That made me feel really good. So they put me in there, and the doctor came in to see me, and he said, wow, you are really yellow. I wonder if maybe you have hepatitis. But we don't know, Marilyn. We don't have the blood test back yet. So don't you worry. You don't have malaria. You just go on, go back home. I'll call you when we get the results. Now, when you're feeling that sick, you don't really think clearly. I mean, I didn't even think. You know, I'm burning up with fever. I didn't think to go to another doctor. I mean, you just, you just don't think when you're running such a high fever and you're so sick. I just went back home. Not an aspirin, nothing. The next morning, very early, my phone rang. It was the doctor. He said, Marilyn, we're sending an ambulance to your house because I just got the blood test back. You have double malaria. You have two forms of malaria at the same time, and you need to get to the hospital immediately. I've already contacted a disease specialist. He is waiting for you. He saw the blood test, which was now taken five or six days earlier, and he said, your blood is the worst he's ever seen. I got to the hospital, and the disease specialist said to me, I'm sorry to tell you, but now you need special medication. You need quinine, and we don't have any. And this was before the Internet he said, so I have a staff of people calling around all the hospitals we can call to try to find quinine. He said, Marilyn, you're the first patient we have ever had in Tulsa, Oklahoma with malaria, and we have no quinine. It, he said, we'll make you as comfortable as possible, but it took another full day, which is a long time. It took another whole day for them to find the quinine. 
I was on it for three days. I myself could tell it wasn't working. And because I was the first patient they ever had, and then to have double malaria, they actually had medical students come in to observe me. There was a sign on the door, no visitors allowed, but the medical students could come in and observe me. Do you know that, um, you know, they, they were taking notes as I was getting sick, watching me, and not one of them offered to give me a tissue. Not one of them gave me a glass of water. Not one of them called the nurse to say, can you come and check on her? She's, she's sick, and she soiled her gown, and all they did was just take a notes, just take a notes. I didn't like them being in there. <laughs> um, so I was on it for three days. The fourth day, the disease specialist came in to see me, and he said, Marilyn, I'm very sorry to tell you, but you are dying. We didn't treat you soon enough, and now, actually, he said, by the time I, I saw you, it was already too late then. I just was hoping that the quinine would have helped, but it didn't help. And so if you want to say goodbye to your family, you need to call them now, not this afternoon. Do you understand what I'm telling you? And I thought to myself, God didn't heal me of cancer so I could die of malaria. That did not compute to me. And he said, I know you're a Christian. And if you know anybody that prays, prayer is your only hope. Now, when you're that sick, you're already told you're going to be dying in a short period of time. You don't have a lot of strength. Can't, have you ever been with somebody that's on their deathbed, but they can't even hardly talk? Well, I couldn't talk. I, I wanted to tell him I do have people praying. But before I went to the hospital, I grabbed two things. I grabbed my toothbrush, and then I grabbed my CD player with uh, Brother Hagen's healing scriptures. And when I got to the hospital, I told the nurse, I want you to pray, play those healing scriptures. They have a lot of Christian nurses there. I said, just play that tape even if I'm asleep. Please play those healing scriptures. And she said she would do that. But um, also... I didn't call my family to tell them I was dying, but I did ask a couple friends, you don't need a hundred people praying for you. If you can get one or two people that are in full agreement with the word, that know how to pray, that is a lot. Amen. And I just had a couple people praying, and I said, now there's two prayers. One prayer I don't want you to pray. The other prayer I do want you to pray. Do not pray and ask Jesus to heal me because that's already been checked off the list. The Bible says by his stripes, you are not going to be. He says you are healed. I said, so the only prayer I want you to pray for me is the prayer of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3, 16, 17, that I would be strengthened in might by God's spirit in my inner man because I knew if I'm strong on the inside, I'll get the victory on the outside. I didn't say anything else to the doctor. I, well, I couldn't even talk. And, um, but I fell asleep. And I must have woke up, I don't know, maybe 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. When I woke up, I was actually, the first thing I said to myself, I, oh, I'm still alive. I was actually, I mean, you know, I didn't know what to expect. But I thought, oh, <laughs> I'm still alive. Now, during that whole week, the best that I could, being as sick as I was, I would continue to apply Luke 10, 19, taking that authority over that spirit of malaria. But that morning when I woke up, I was determined that the devil was going to see me sitting up in bed. And I took a hold of the support bars on the side of my bed, and I began to pull and pull and pull until I was sitting up. I can't tell you how much energy that took for me to get in that upright position. And at that moment, I took authority over that spirit of malaria just like I had all the other times. Nothing different, nothing special. 
But at that moment, just like the woman with the issue of blood, I felt I was healed of that plague. I remember I put my hands on myself and I said, oh, I just got healed. (laughs) And I just collapsed back in bed from exhaustion, from sitting up. I I want to share something before I go on with that testimony. One time when I was preaching in Africa, it was way out in the bush, and uh, there must have been about, well, there was probably about 100 people in the church, but it wasn't a nice church like this. You know, they had half a ceiling, and maybe I think there was only like three and a half walls there, and you just, you know what I'm saying? I mean, in the bush of Africa, they don't have what we have. But there was a lot of, I mean, a lot of people come to the churches there in Africa, and the ministry was going great. And then all of a sudden, one man came in the back door, and he shouted about five little words, and everybody in the church jumped up and ran out. And I thought, well, what did he say? I grabbed my translator before he ran. I said, wait a minute. What did he just say? He said, the cow fell in the pit. I, the cow fell in the pit. Everybody left the church. All wanted to go see the cow in the pit. The cow's important. You know, it's their milk and everything. So I thought, well, I got to go see the cow. So I go out to see this cow in this pit. Now, this was a really deep pit. I don't know if the cow had accidentally backed into it, but he was in that pit standing on his hind legs, and his body was upright, and his front legs were stretched up, and he was, you could see the fear in that cow. He was clawing, trying to get out, but the pit was higher than he was on his back legs, and he was just, you know, desperately trying to get out of that pit, and he couldn't. So two of the natives jumped into that pit and began to push and push until they got that cow out of the pit. And I thought about that, and that's exactly what the Holy Ghost does. When you have a determination, you've got that bulldog tenacity that you refuse to be defeated, the Holy Ghost on the inside of you is going to push you and give you the strength to do what you've got to do. That is so awesome, the power, the helper that we have of the Holy Spirit. And I know when I was forcing myself to sit up, it was like I could just feel the Holy Ghost just helping me to get into that upright position. You know, you can feel like you are in the pit of your life, but I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit is there to lift you out of that pit. And when I, when I prayed that prayer, and I took authority over that, and I just I knew at that moment I could feel that I was healed. I just collapsed back in bed. And I want to say something really important. Victory is never determined by the volume of your shout. I had no volume left in me, but it was determined by the spirit of faith that is on the inside of you that, you, that you get that fight in your faith, that you refuse to be defeated. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We all have that strength on the inside. We just have to release it. We just have to use the faith that the Lord has given us. Amen. And I collapsed back in bed The next morning, the doctor was surprised to find me in there. I said, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go home. He says, well, yeah, you don't have any fever at all. He said, but I want those those three students to come back and observe you for a couple days. I thought, oh, great, you know. But I was healed at that point, so it was okay. But see, if you've got that bulldog tenacity, and you have it, you've got it from the Holy Ghost, so you've got to use that faith. Amen. So I have a question for you today. Are you ready to fight? Are you ready to put faith in your fight? Are you ready to throw off that negative identity that you've been identified with? Throw off that identity of 
allergies or diabetes or whatever it is, arthritis, throw it off. It doesn't belong to you. You've got to have that strength to do that. Put that fight in your faith. Are you ready to say, Lord, be it unto me according to your word? If that's you today, I just I want to show you one thing. This is a copy of one of my medical reports. July 1986, St. Francis Hospital, Tulsa, Oklahoma. It says, this patient is going to die. Those are the facts. But in Psalms 118, verse 17, it says the truth. The truth says, you will not die but live. I went with truth, and the truth on my deathbed reversed the facts. So it's never too late. It's never too late with God. As long as you use your faith, it's that power that's on the inside of you because no word from God is void of power. Amen. So if you're ready to say that tonight, be it unto me according to your word, you're ready to throw off that identity, I want you to come up here. I want to pray with you. I want to just be in agreement with you. Hallelujah. Just come on a running. Hallelujah. There's a healer in the house today. Amen. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. I come into agreement with my sister right now. Be it unto her, Lord, according to your word. Be thou made whole in Jesus' name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, I release that healing power to flow.